Lord God, forgive us as the church when we've made things important that are not important. When we've majored on the minors. And Lord, that we've sometimes loved ourselves more than we've loved others. Lord, we just receive your life into us, God. We, we do have it within us the greatest message that the world could hear. And it's the love of Jesus. It is the gospel message of the cross, the life of Christ, that, Lord, you are the living water. You are the bread of life to the hungry. And I pray, God, that we would receive you. We would receive your message in and through us. And, Lord, we lift up today, God, I pray for this message. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and illuminate the word of God to us. So, Lord, come today and be glorified and release us to be who you've called us to be in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Glad you are here today. Welcome. I want to reiterate, uh, reiterate what Barry said. If you, are, if you are here as our guest, thank you for coming. Uh, thanks for taking time out of your day to be with us uh, this morning. Um, I read a hilarious story last week in Reader's Digest. I, I, I love... Um, when kids say stuff, and uh, you guys have seen the show, the kids say the darndest things. Um, this lady writes in Reader's Digest, these are true stories, that she was taking her little three-year-old daughter to a funeral, and the, the, the little girl had never been to a funeral, so she was a little, the, the woman was a little anxious about taking her to this funeral service, and uh, not knowing what to expect, and she just told her, you know, trying to prep her, and said, you know, you need to be very quiet, you know, be very respectful and just, you know, keep it down. The little girl was quite inquisitive, and they got to the funeral. She said she did great all the way up until the end, and then she, during a really quiet part, she piped up really loud and said, who's the man in the treasure chest? <laughs> Which kind of has some spiritual truth to it also, doesn't it? We are treasures to God. That would lighten up a funeral service really quick. Are you glad to be here? Yes. I'm glad you're here too. I'm glad to be here as well. Isn't that good? It's like the man uh, was laying in his bed and uh, his wife said, you need to get up and go to church. He said, I don't feel like going to church. She said, you have to get up. He said, just tell him I'm sick. And she said, you've got to go to church. You're the pastor. So um, <laughs> I'm glad to be here too. But we're continuing in our read series um, the mission, the vision that God has spoken uh, to my heart to, I, I, over this church to reach up and reach out. Bang! I'll just show you that real quick in the shirt, yeah. I'm modeling it for you. Uh, this is for workers for right now for the Wednesday night thing, but these will also be available for you to order. So we'll do an order form um, in the next couple of weeks that if you would like to own one of these awesome shirts and be a part of the cool crowd that has them. <laughs> yeah. We'll make it available to you. Um, so I uh, appreciate uh, Randy Van Gorp uh, working these t-shirts for us. They, they look great, turned out really good. But I'm, I'm staying in this, uh, this series called Reach Up and Reach Out. T today is Commissioned to Reach. Commissioned to Reach. It's going to be actually a, a part one of, of, of a two-part uh, little mini thing because I felt like that uh, if I tried to do it all in one day, it would be like one o'clock before we got out of here. 
So uh, everyone's happy that we're doing it in two. Uh, week one was unlimited reach. In Christ, we can do all things. We are called to be on mission with Jesus as his believers, as uh, his followers. We have a mission in front of us. We were not just called to simply live our lives, go through our motions, and then one day die and be with him. We were called to be on mission with him. We have a mission on this earth. We were created for a purpose and a destiny. And we were also called, we have an eternal calling too. You know, the calling doesn't stop here when this is just a little small part of life because when we get to heaven, it really begins then. And we are going to rule and reign with him. But while we are on the earth, we are called to reach up to him and to worship him and to reach out to others. And in Christ, we have unlimited reach. We can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. We are limited if we try to do it in our own strength, but we are unlimited when we do it in his strength. We're called to build, advance, and move the kingdom of God as co-labors of Christ. How do we reach, and I talked about this, we reach through humility. Humility, true humility and meekness as believers. Through holiness, through going, and through bringing glory to Jesus. Last week I talked about being empowered to reach Acts 1.8. Jesus said this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. So we're empowered through the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses to the world. We're equipped to do ministry. And then I said this, if you weren't here, we are all in full-time ministry. In fact, the scripture that I use, it says that the church leaders equip the people to do the work of the ministry. So we are all called to do ministry. You are called. You are a full-time minister. Because like I said, you have connections. Your sphere of influence is different than mine. You will reach people that I won't be able to reach. You have a relationship with people right now in your life that God hasn't called me to reach. He's called you to reach them. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have what we need to get the job done. So this week is commissioned to reach. You know, we call that little passage in Matthew 28, the end of Matthew 28, you know, Jesus is about to ascend to the Father. We, everyone uh, calls that the Great Commission, where Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Go into all the world and make dis disciples of all nations. I shared a little bit about this last week, too, is that we have the mindset that we are a sending church, that we have, you know, missionaries that we send out from here, people that go do the ministry, but we are sent ourselves. You know, it's easy to pray for them or write them a support check and say, you know, God bless you as you do the wor work on, uh, you know, in the other uttermost parts of the earth, but how about your world, your backyard, your neighbor, your coworker, the student that's sitting next to you? You're called to reach. You're called to be sent. And we are commissioned by God. What does it mean to be commissioned? Can I have a definition pop up there any second now? An authoritative order, a charge, or a direction. And then I love this. This is a part of the definition. A group of people given authority to do something. You're called to do something. 
an authoritative, authoritative order, charge or direction, a group of people given authority to do something. When Jesus was commissioning, not just his followers that were there that day, this is a commission to all believers everywhere to go into the world, go into your world, go into those places and share Jesus. Make disciples of all nations. We have been, through Jesus Christ, given an authoritative order and charge to take his message to the world. This is serious. When you think of a commission, this is not a suggestion. This is not a good idea. This is not just if you feel like it. This is a calling that is upon every believer in Jesus Christ to take his message to the world. Think about a military commission. A military oath of office. Some of you guys, maybe gals here that served in our armed forces. And I had the privilege to serve in the United States Air Force. And remember the oath of office. You place your hand upon the Bible and you raise your right hand and, you know, I do solemnly swear or affirm to uphold and defend the, the Constitution of the United States to all enemies, foreign and domestic, pledging allegiance to the same. And, and, and there's, this, there's this weightiness to what you're saying and what you're signing up for. You are being commissioned to go and be who you called to be. As is in the military, when you make that commission and you sign up, it's not up for discussion whether you're going to do it or not. If you don't do it, you are removed from the military. And I've shared some of my stories of, of basic training, which was not fun at all. Some funny stories when you look back. When you're in the middle of it, it's not fun at all. But, you know, you're not... You're not discussing things with your, with your drill sergeant as if you feel like doing something or not. Imagine that, you know, and they, are, they got the brim of their hat, you know, and they're pounding you in the forehead and they're talking to you, talking to you, that's a nice one. They're screaming at you, putting you under duress and, you know, how foolish it would be to say, um, sir, I don't really feel like doing that. Um, can we negotiate the order, you know, I'm, I'm just feeling a little down today, and I don't really much feel like running five miles. Can I stay in bed? And there's that mindset that you have that it's not up for discussion. You accomplish what is set before you. And it's amazing that under duress, and that's the drill sergeant's job, you know, it's, it's to put you under pressure to see what you're made out of, because if you fold up, you're not made for the military. Thank God that they train us that way. But you accomplish it, and it's, a, it's amazing you can do above and beyond what you thought you could do. And if you parallel that to spiritual things, you know, sometimes we feel like yet yeah, you're just in the, in the fire, you're in the fight. And it's amazing that Paul talks about the Christian walk being, you know, th th that it's warfare. That we're a part of the army of God. He uses that, that, that wordage. And sometimes when you're in the middle of the fight, when you're in the middle of stress or anxiety or hard times, it's, it feels like, oh my goodness, I can't go on another day. 
But here's the awesome thing that we have in God. We have the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us to continue on and to do above and beyond what we thought or imagined. And God does it through us. But as in the military, and and I'm trying to stress the importance of this, as in the military, it's not up for discussion. As that's the same with thing with God, it's not up for discussion. He has called us, He's empowered us, He's commissioned us, He's given us an authoritative order, a charge, and a direction. But we're not doing it on our own. He comes alongside us. It's not in our own authority, but the one who sent us. We do it on behalf of the one who sent us, and we have his commission. So as believers, Jesus places his authority, his order, and his direction over our lives to accomplish his mission on the earth while we're on the earth. The great commission, the great order, the great charge, the great direction. And we'll walk in this again on the earth until we go to heaven. And I love what Paul also says. He says he's called us into partnership with the Son of God. What an awesome privilege that is as believers. Partnership with the Son of God. I'm going to look at a couple of passages this morning. You can turn your Bible, 2 Corinthians 5, and then uh, we're going to look at the, a, a portion of, of, of Scripture there. It'll be up on the screen for you if you need it. Um, you can read along there, and also 2 Corinthians 2. So 2 Corinthians 5, then we'll go kind of backward and look at 2 Corinthians 2. The reason why I looked at these passages is very interesting if you study them, that it's kind of Paul framing what it means to be commissioned by the Lord Jesus. He's, he's written this letter to the Corinthian church, the people, the followers of Christ in Corinth. This is his second letter, thus 2 Corinthians. And he, the, you know, 1 Corinthians is a, a lot about how to do church and, and the structure and order of church. 2 Corinthians is really a, a real missional mindset. It's a real, um, you know, call and order and charge to the mission of Jesus. And so he frameworks, and I'm going to look at this as kind of framing the commission to us through these passages from Corinthians that Paul writes. So Paul framing our commission in these passages. The first one is 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21. You can read along. I'm going to read that because we're going to kind of pick these, both of these passages apart in, uh, in what God is calling us to do as he's commissioned us. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we're giving you a reason to be proud of us. So you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere sincere heart. If it seems crazy... It is to bring glory to God, and if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us or compels us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. 
So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person or a new creation. The old life is gone or old things are passed away a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Isn't that amazing? Soak that in a little while. I encourage you this week, meditate on these passages. Pray these passages for your life and in your family. You know, it's really easy, and I, I'm as guilty as anyone, so I don't just preach to you, I preach to me. It's really easy to hear the Word of God. We hear a passage, maybe that we're even familiar with, and it just kind of, you know, it kind of rolls over us. And if we begin to really meditate, that's why studying the Word of God, there's nothing written that you have to read five chapters a day or five hours a day. You could take ten short passages, passages of Scripture just like this. And just kind of chew on that. Read it. God, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking through this passage to me? And it's amazing. It'll begin to transform your heart and you start praying these through. That's the commercial on the Bible. Um, hopefully you'll grab a hold of that. 2 Corinthians 2. If you want to flip, flip back a couple of pages. Verses 14 through 17. But thank God, or thanks be to God, He has made us His captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now He uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. Love that passage. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But those who are being saved, we are life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? You see, we are not like many hucksters who preach for personal profit. We preach the Word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that, listen to this, God is watching us. God is watching us. I'm going to take a look at these, and we'll, you know, we'll continue the slides there, but uh, th I'm, I'm going to look at the, these two passages as Paul's framework and our commissioning service as believers. You know, Jesus said, go into all the world, take my message into all the world, make disciples, and so we are going to look at nine thoughts from these passages, and I'm going to just work through the scriptures here. You know, you can read along if you like, but uh, I'm just going to be taking nine points of our commission, of what God is calling us to do. So nine points of our commission. And then it begins like this, 2 Corinthians 5. He says this, because of our fearful responsibility to the Lord. So he's saying, there's some thoughts coming after this. 
You know when you're trying to capture somebody's attention and you go, because of this, I want you to know this. It's kind of what we do in conversation. And Paul is starting this, this, this thought process out. He says, because of our fearful responsibility to the Lord, in other words, I want you to listen to this. And so I've grabbed nine thoughts here. Number one is this, work hard to persuade others. If you'd like to take notes, there's a place on the back of the bulletin. You can write these down if you like. If not, you can just listen along. But he starts out, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. We are called to work hard to persuade others of the gospel message of Jesus. As believers, we have a responsibility to his message. We are stewards. We are managers of his message. We have been saved. We have been set free to then not just receive that and then stop, but to persuade others of his message, of his hope, of his life in us. Peter says this, be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within you. Now, this, this does not mean that we pound people over the head with it. You know, you will listen or else. Next week, I'm going to kind of break this down of what it means to be an ambassador of Christ. You'll want to come back for that next week because uh, it'll be challenging um, as it challenged me. But we are stewards and managers of His message, and we are called to work hard, not out of just works. Now understand, there's a difference between works of the salvation. I'm not talking about works unto salvation. We can't work to get our salvation. Everyone understands that. I hope you do. You can't earn your salvation. You cannot be nice enough. You can't be a good enough person to earn salvation. Because if we could be nice enough, if we could be good enough, the cross, then we don't need the cross. Because of the cross, that re reveals that we're not good enough. We're, in fact, in ourselves, we're not good. Our nature is not good. We're prone to wander. We're prone to sinfulness. And we needed a Savior. And so I'm not talking about works and the salvation. So many people, they do good things and they do nice things because they're in a wrestle and they're in this kind of a stress place of trying to get God to like them a little more, to get, try to get God to, to, to love them a little more. I'm trying to let my good outweigh my bad, you know, and just kind of hopefully, you know, at the end of it all, my, my, my good works will outweigh my, my bad works. And that, that's kind of mis, it's just misdirected thinking. You can't earn your salvation. It is falling on the mercy and grace of Christ and his sacrifice on the cross and saying, I can't save myself, so I receive your sacrifice. That's what it means for salvation. But we are called to good works through loving Jesus and having him love us. It is being motivated by his love. Ephesians 2.10, it says, you know, we are his masterpiece. We are his, his masterpiece and that we were created for good works that he planned for us a long time ago. So as a believer in Jesus, he created you for works. And so we work hard to persuade others out of loving him. Jesus even said, work while it is still day, because the night is coming when work will cease. 
Jesus even said, pray that the Lord, of har- the, uh, the Lord of the harvest would raise up workers in the harvest field. So we are called to work. And Paul says this, because of our responsibility, we work hard to persuade others. Number two, because I'm going to help frame this a little bit. It's not just works, but work with a sincere heart, number two. Work with a sincere heart. Verse 12 of 2 Corinthians 5, are we committing ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry or what is seen rather than having a sincere heart. Paul's making a distinction. You know, there are a lot of people that do things to be seen. So they, it says, and he's dealing with them. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. It was back in the first century that people do things out of a wrong motivation. Their heart is not sincere. They want to brag about it. They want to brag about, look how awesome my ministry is. Look how awesome I'm, what I'm doing. And their, their focus and their attention is upon themselves. And Paul's saying, I want you to be proud of us that we minister out of sincere, a sincere heart, not bragging about our awesome, spectacular ministry that we do or a ministry to be seen. Rather than having a sincere heart, a sincere heart is the goal of ministry. Sincerity of heart, promoting him instead of promoting ourselves, letting him be seen. I talked about John the Baptist where he says, I must decrease and he must increase. Sincerity, other words, synonyms that can be brought forth with, with, with sincerity is authenticity, being real. Authentic love. That is what God has called us as believers. Authenticity, sincerity. Number three, let, love, let Christ's love control you. This is a part of our commission. So working hard to persuade, working with sincere hearts, and then letting Christ's love control us. Verses 13 and 14, he says this, If it seems crazy, it is bring glory to God. If we are in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us, controls or compels, urges us, pushes us. And so the question is, believers, what controls you? What compels you? What urges you forward? When you think about spreading the message of Christ, what urges you? Again, This goes back to working hard, but not working hard to get God to love you more. It is being actually compelled by his love, understanding his great love. So what Doug talked about, the fierce love of God, when when you see that, you know, we're called, the, 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 the church of the Lord Jesus is called the bride of Christ. When we understand his, his sincere, passionate love for us, that love then compels us. Like, God, look at what you did for me. Jesus, I I am undone by the love that you have for me, and that should control me and compel me. And that's what he's saying is, either way, if we're seeing crazier in our right minds, let Christ's love control you, drive you, urge you on. Because in his first letter to the Corinthians, and he's talking about how to have order and structure and and what the motivation is, 1 Corinthians 13. And you'll hear me say this a lot, but he says this, if I, if I don't have love, I'm nothing. It profits me nothing. I'm working for nothing. I'm accomplishing nothing if I don't have love. 
And that's what Paul says. He said, you know, you can have faith that moves mountains. And we need to have faith. It's, it's impossible to please God without having faith. We have to have faith. But he says, you can have faith that moves mountains. If you don't have love, profit you nothing. You can have do mighty miracles. You can speak in tongues. You can have spiritual gifts and prophecy. But if you don't have love, it accomplishes nothing. So we have to let Christ's love control us. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, he said, before he talks about spiritual gifts, he says, pursue love. What is your motivation? What drives you? What compels you? Let Christ's love compel you as he commissions you. Number four, because of the new life in Christ, don't just live for yourselves. It's verses 14 and 15. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone. I love that. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. When you receive the new life of Christ, it should compel you not to live for yourself. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So in Jesus, with the new life of Jesus, being compelled and controlled by his love, we shouldn't just live for me anymore, but for him. This is why Jesus says so much about, he said, if you want to be my followers, take up your cross and follow me. Set aside your selfish ambition and follow after me. Because the life of Christ is not found in selfish ambition, it is found in selfless sacrifice for others. Jesus said, you want to be more like me? Well, you need to learn that I laid my life down for others. And that should be a part of the, the Christian walk, is to lay our lives down for others. In the new life of Christ, we don't just live for ourselves. Because as human beings, aren't we prone to selfish ambition? I am. How's this going to work out for me? How's this going to benefit me? Somebody calls you, can you do this? Well, let me think. How is this going to benefit me? Do I have time for me? And I'm not saying you should never take time for yourself. Don't, don't get me wrong. But a lot of times we are moved by selfish ambition. I know I am. Maybe I'm the only one in the room. But we are. We're prone to that. And Jesus is, is trying to shift us. And he says, if you want to be my follower... Take up your cross. And here's what Jesus says. Take it up how, many, how often? Daily. Daily. He goes, because you know what you're going to be tempted to do when you wake up tomorrow is to walk in selfish ambition. So tomorrow you've got to say, Jesus, I take up my cross today. And I want to live for you. And I want your love to compel me and control me. And I don't want to just live for myself. That's about valuing others too. Number five, next part of our, our commissioning, stop evaluating others from a human point of view. Whew, that's a convicting one. Isn't that easy? You know, we have the, the, the scripture says, judge not lest you be judged. Or however you measure others, it will be measured back to you. That makes you have grace for other people. Years ago, I had this kind of, this, this happened to me. I was kind of going through some 
bit of a difficulty with, with, with some, some people in my life. And this is, yeah, when I was youth pastoring. And, uh, and I was just, I was in my prayer time thinking about how right I was. Have you ever been there? little selfish ambition while you're praying. If that's not the definition of carnality, I don't know what it is. Yes, I'm guilty of that. I'm admitting it. Confessions. I told you guys sometimes I just confess to you. And I... But I was in prayer, you know, and I was sitting there just, I was, I was bothered by something that happened, and I came across that passage where Jesus says, however you measure others, it will be measured back to you. In other words, how you're measuring people, that's how I'm measuring you. And this thought and this picture kind of came to my mind. It's, I have this tape measure, and I'm measuring people within this, you know, just really tightly defined thing, and I'm just like, you know, I'm just grilling them that you're going to be measured within this, because this is how I see you. The only problem is I saw the hands of God behind me with a measuring tape, and he was measuring me the same way. And then I gave a little grace, and guess what? He, his came open. Gave a little more grace. He gave a little more grace. I'm like, let's just whip this thing out there, you know. <laughs> It's amazing when you allow God to, to, to convict your own heart, but Paul says this, stop evaluating others from a human point of view. We've got to start getting a God lens for people. Verse 16, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Listen to what he says in this passage. I don't want you to miss this. He said, at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. In other words, the more you get to know Jesus, the more you realize he's not going to be defined by what I say he is. He's not going to be conformed to me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to neatly package him in a definition of my own liking and my own making. Um, he is above boxes and definitions. Um, he, we are to be conformed to him, not him conformed to us. That's where you can say Amen. But he gives us a new lens toward him and toward others. And Paul is saying this. He said, we tried to evaluate him that way from a human point of view. His ways are higher than our ways, you'll hear me say a lot. Isaiah 55, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We don't define him by what's comfortable to us or how it works for us. We are to be defined by him and what he says. But he gives us a new lens toward him and others. And that's why we need to see other people through his eyes. There's going to be more again on that next week. But seeing him, seeing others through his eyes and seeing him with a different lens. God, give, God, give me your, your God lens. Jesus, give me the God lens as I see people. Stop evaluating others from a human point of view. So many debates that we have are really just are my little human thing that I like and say, what does God say about this? All of a sudden, the debate kind of begins to go down. Number six, take the task of reconciling people back to God seriously. Verses 18 and 19, he says, And God has given us this task. A task is work that we accomplish. Again, we are called to work hard. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Isn't that awesome? And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. 
So through Christ, God was reconciling people back to himself because we know sin came in the world. Sin was the great separator. Isaiah says that, that sin separates us from God. So anyone who sin is separated from God. It, it's just how it is. So we're all qualified in that, uh, in that definition. You know, who sinned? Get them up, people. Who sinned? It, we're separated from God. If you didn't raise your hand, now you lied, so you just sinned. So get them up, anyhow. <laughs> sin separates us from God. And so we had this chasm, again, that through works we can't get over the chasm. We can't somehow super, do a super jump over the chasm to God. You know, the super jump of good works, the super jump of religion doesn't happen. And that's where we had the cross of Christ come into our lives. And Jesus came and he offered himself as a sacrifice on the cross for us to reconcile us back to God. That's how we get reconciled back to God. And Paul is saying this, because of that happening, now we have this message of reconciliation in us. And so we need to take it seriously. Again, we are stewards of the message and the mission of Jesus. Commissioned to reach others is a high calling. Being a minister, and we are all, we've already cleared that up, we're all ministers, so take it seriously. Take it seriously. Because we have this wonderful message of reconciliation in us, the cross of Christ, the good news of Jesus. Number seven, as his ambassadors plead with others to come back to God. Verses 20 and 21, he says this, so, and, or because of this, because you have this good news, because you have the message of reconciliation, we are Christ's ambassadors. Next week, I'm going to take that theme and we're going to run with it for a little while. I hope you can come. But he says this, we are Christ's ambassadors, ambassadors, sorry about that. God is making his appeal through us. So the Holy Spirit comes in and we have this message in us, but God is making his appeal through us. This is about partnership with his son. Jesus chose us to be carriers of the message. So he makes his appeal through us. That's an amazing thought. And he says, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. Hallelujah. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. And that passage right there is, this is why we do what we do. And we are to be his ambassadors, pleading with others to come back to God. How do we do that? It's through our actions and our words. It's not just standing on a street corner yelling at people. It is through your actions and your words. Laying down your life, serving people, loving people in the name of Christ, and then speaking God's love to come back to God. Number eight, and this is from 2 Corinthians 2. But spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. I'll read this again. But thanks be to God, he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. And I like this. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. What is your life fragrance? Who do you smell like? 
Do you ever have those people in your life and they wear a specific cologne? Maybe they've worn it for years and you know it. I mean, they, they can be around the corner and you know it's them. A perfume or a cologne, you go, oh, that's so-and-so. They're kind of associated with their smell. Hopefully, they're associated with cologne or perfume. <laughs> there might be people in your life that you go, oh, boy, they're here. That's you, I'm sorry. Maybe you don't even know. I mean, just people know about it, you know. But you're known by the smell. You know what I'm talking about. You know, you, you, there's some friends of mine that have, they've worn the same cologne for eons. You give them a hug and, you know, or they come around the room and you go, that just smells like so-and-so. And I love Paul's words here. He says, we are a Christ-like fragrance. So when you come around, do you smell like Jesus? Is his aroma on you? Is his fragrance on you? Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. So we smell, we are a fragrance to God and to others. I love in the book of Acts when they, were, they saw the, the apostles and they were it's Peter, James, and John, and they had been doing some things, and, 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 uh, and, and, and the people there, says they, it says they recognized them as, as men who had been with Jesus. I'm like, what a great testimony that is. That they recognized them as people who had been with Jesus. And see, as, his, as the Christ perfume, the way we begin to smell like Jesus is to be with Jesus. It's like a cologne when you spray it on. This is where that invitation for us to go into the secret place, the, the, the quiet time, the, the quiet relationship, because Jesus has called us, and we can never miss this. We are called to relationship with him. He doesn't call us just his servants. He calls us his friends. And that's why having prayer time and talking to him, worshiping him, reading the Word, spending time with Him in intimacy and relationship, and you start doing that, you will begin to smell like Him because you are near Him and you are close to Him. And then your life is a sweet-smelling Christ fragrance to the world. What do you smell like? Who do you smell like? And then Paul goes on to say, he says, to those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. You know, you meet someone, some people and they see that you're a follower of Christ and they resent that. They don't want to hear it. Maybe they've been hurt. Maybe they've been, something has happened in their lives. And, you know, you do something kind for them and, uh, or, you know, and they, just, you know, they just kind of push it off and it's like you, you're like a stench to them. And Paul said, that's going to happen. But guess what? It is not for us to determine if we smell good or stink to people. We just simply go about his business. If somebody resents you, love them even the greater. If someone has negative words to something that you're serving, don't just walk off and go, well, I guess I'm a stench to you. See you later. Continue to be a sweet-smelling fragrance. You never know what might happen to their hearts. We're just called 
to be with Jesus and to love others. And nine, preach with sincerity and love knowing that God is watching us. Paul says this at the end of that. He said, you see, we are not like the many hucksters who preach for personal profit. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with God's and Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. Isn't it interesting that he would use that word hucksters who preach for personal profit? Again, there's nothing new under the sun. We, we have that around us. People that preach for the wrong motivation. And if you're here today and you have been exposed to someone that had the wrong motivation and they were preaching for personal profit, they, were, uh, they were, had the wrong goal in mind, I am so sorry that that happened to you. Forgive the church. But from, with Christ's authority, we are to preach with sincerity and love. And it says this because God is watching us. God is watching us. What is our motivation? Again, what compels us? It must be love and it must be sincerity and authenticity. That's what we're called in the commissioning of Jesus. He is watching us. Do we live like he's watching us? Do we live our lives as Christ is there with us and watching us? I want to live that way every day. So these nine points of the commission as kind of packaged by Paul. Preaching with sincerity and love, knowing that God is watching us. Let this be our motivation. And I have a closing passage. I want you to look at this passage from 1 Corinthians 10. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. And I, he's not talking about being a man pleaser. He's talking, you can see his motivation that he's wanting people to come to know Christ. But I try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. Do you see Paul's motivation? Do you see what drove him? He wanted people to get saved. He wanted people to come to know Christ. He had this treasure in his heart, and he said, I, I want people to know Jesus. If I could just boil it down to one thought is I want others to know Jesus to know his message, to know that he can transform your heart, to know that he can change you from the inside out. I do what is best for others so that many might be saved. Folks, we are commissioned by Jesus. We are given an order, a charge. The commissioning is very serious. As believers of Jesus, we are all called. And we need to be compelled by his love with sincerity and authenticity to cry out to God and say, Lord, help us to reach out to the world. You know, there will be some opportunities this week. We're doing our outreach this Wednesday. Come out for that. If you're not working, come out for it anyway. Engage the community. Love someone. Meet somebody new that maybe you've never talked to before. Ask them about their family. Love them in a practical way. Next week, we're going to be doing Summer Serve to reach out to others in, in a very practical way with the love of Jesus. But more than just events, more than just opportunities that are like that, live out every day as if it is an opportunity for you to be his minister. Wake up tomorrow and say, Jesus, I am commissioned by you. 
let me go into the world with your order, with your direction, with your authority, compelled by the love of Jesus to reach my world with the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for your love and your great grace. Jesus, we're undone by your love. Lord, I just wanted today just to clear right where, where I'm standing is I love you with all my heart. I love you and thank you for saving me. Thank you that when I was a mess, you loved me. Thank you that when I was filled with selfish ambition, you loved me. Thank you that when I was broken, living my own way, you loved me. You called me to yourself. Lord, we just want to say how much we love you. We thank you for the great message of salvation that we have in Christ, God. We can't save ourselves, so we look to you. And I pray today, God, that as your people, that we would take the life-transforming message of Jesus to our world, that we would take your commissioning seriously, that we were called, we were set apart for you. And Lord, I pray that we would go with sincerity, authenticity, and that the love of Jesus would compel us and urge us and push us forward. God, may we go out and make a difference. God, thank you for these precious people. I pray for each person in this room. I pray, God, for the things that they may be going through today. God, the heaviness of heart. Lord, maybe painful things in their spirit emotionally, mentally. Maybe they have some physical challenges. God, I pray that you would meet them, that you would touch them. Lord, for those that are dealing with relational things, I pray that your healing presence would flow in them. And I pray today we would receive the love of God and then go give the love of God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome week and have an awesome day. Yeah. Sure, hold on. Just a sec. Don't have an awesome day yet. But Sandy's got something she wants to share. Yeah, I would love for you to come up. Those of you who know me know I don't need this. I'm kind of a loud mouth. I can speak strongly without it, but thank you. Uh, I apologize for keeping everybody a little longer, uh, but uh, the Spirit has been nudging me throughout the service, and when uh, Doug got up and spoke, uh, at that time I knew I was supposed to speak too, and I didn't do it. I apologize to you for keeping you longer, but uh, I want to be obedient to the Spirit. And this is not easy to do because when the Lord sometimes, when he gives you something, the Spirit also comes ag against you and says, don't get up and share. You, you just want to seek self-glory. You want people to look at you, and, and the Spirit will come against you and attack you and try to discourage you, but I want to be obedient to the, to the Lord. Uh, some months ago, uh, I shared a part of a vision that I had 30-some years ago at the beginning of my faith, my walk of faith with the Lord. And there were three parts to that vision. The first part was I, uh, the, I, I walked, I just want to just briefly describe it. Uh, I, I came uh, down the side of a hill 
The stream of water was at the bottom of the hill, and the presence of the Lord was in the water. And it was just a bright, bright light of love, which beckoned me to come into the water with it. And when I got into the water, I could see the Lord in the light, and he was overjoyed that I had made the decision to step into the water and to be with him. And the God of creation that can speak forth creation with just his word showed me that he got greater delight out of communicating and fellowshipping with one of his created than he did with speaking forth creation. That's how much he loves us. You cannot imagine the joy that was in his heart because I made the decision to join him in the water. And we raised our hands and we danced. It was just awesome. The second part of the vision was eventually the stream drew me away from the Lord. And as I was going, uh, being swept away from the Lord, I wanted to be in his presence. I wanted to go back. But the current was sweeping me forward. And as I started to look forward down the banks of the stream, there were two sides. There were people on both sides of the stream, just like I'm standing here now. And as I was swept down, I could start to hear what they were saying. And one side of the stream, people were calling out, praising God, worshiping God. They had chosen to stay on the bank to be close to the Lord. They were rejoicing. It was just awesome. They were also speaking words of encouragement as they were praising the Lord. The other side of the stream was people that had come to the bank of the stream, but they had not decided to step in. They were on that side because they were either hurt they were full of fear, and they were calling out their fears. At the same time, the people on this side were praising the Lord. But the Lord showed me as I was being swept along, you have to decide which side of the stream are you going to step out on. Are you going to step out on the side that loves God, desires to be close to him, or are you going to step back out on the side where fear reigns, and you have to make the decision. But he also showed me that without these people calling out their witness and their testimony of what God, what, who he is and what he had done for them, he was limited. It was the, it was the testimony of the believers that he was also relying upon to draw people into the water. So when, we, when you talk about being commissioned, we are commissioned by God to partner with him in speaking out his word, in witnessing his love, because fellowshipping and uh, are joining and partnering with Christ is the commission that he has, gived us, has given us to save the world. So I, I, I just, I want to, I, I just, I had to share it because it was such a powerful vision. You cannot imagine uh, the power of joining together uh, with the Lord, what it, what it was accomplishing in the lives of people that were trying to make the decision. So I just want to encourage each one of us, 
in ourselves, we are nothing, and we and we have we can you know we don't have anything to draw the others in except our knowledge of fellowship and the Lord, and the salvation of the Lord, and the redemption of the Lord, and what it has done in our lives. And we need to speak it out as witnesses for the sake of people that are standing, waiting to make the decision to enter in to the stream of life. So there was a third part to the vision. I've shared two sometime, and as the Spirit leads me, there's another encouraging part to it, too, that I hope sometime to share. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you, God, for speaking through your people. And, Lord, thank you, God, that as you showed that to Sandy, Lord, even as it says that um, even as spiritual gifts are given, it's to build up the church. And so, Lord, we choose you today. We choose to get in the river with you today. And, Lord, we pray, God, that our lives would speak out of the good news and the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, Lord, let us go forward, commissioned by the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys.